Okay. So we got the NFL Week 1 Strategy Show final. Look, my first time hosting, we're up to a great start. I wasn't totally sure where my cue was to go. I thought that I was going to get some kind of countdown or something from Nolan, but not the case. So just a little bit of dead air at the top, but whatever. Who cares? These things happen. I'm joined by Jeff Ulrich, the Moose. Look at us going rogue. It's like the it's like the, the Paul Rudd meme, right? Who would have thought? That's right. I mean, who would have thought, Greg? Us on a, a Week 1 DFS show, you know, they've decided to uh... – you know, join us together on Saturdays to give us uh, a little bit of strategy advice. I'm absolutely uh, thrilled with it, man. I love talking NFL. Saturday's uh, a good day for me. You know, gives it, you still got time to like stretch out, make decisions. You know, you, the weight of the world hasn't come down with you. The the first snap hasn't taken place. So, I mean, it's a good time to talk about it and, uh, you know, get our, our thoughts together. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, week one, finally here. It's so weird without preseason this year, but uh, – yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm coming in basically. I just want to play everyone. So, uh, I mean, we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, I mean, it, it's too bad the best ball leagues are already decided, right? Everybody who drafted CEH in the top five won their best ball leagues on Thursday. But but there's still DFS contests to win. There's still a million dollars to be won on sites tomorrow. So that's exciting. So, I mean, even if you didn't take CEH second overall in your draft, you still could win at DFS this week. So, yeah, and I mean... Uh, <laughs> You know, all the all the CEH love, that's great, you know, but, like, let's remember, you know, other running backs will score touchdowns uh, on Sunday as well. So it was a nice start by him. Um, I think I think he is going to be fine in that offense, obviously. I mean, probably don't need to hear me tell you that to, to legitimize. He didn't catch a pass, though. I mean, uh, you know, th- that was a little weird. I mean, I think everyone kind of thought. But maybe game flow worked into that and uh, obviously a little bit unsuccessful on the goal line for CEH. Two situations to monitor going forward, but um, you know the Chiefs don't really have that many other options. Uh, Daryl Williams is, is okay, but he's not like uh, a super fast twitch dude or anything. So I, I think Ch probably going to be probably will improve in those areas and, and probably be a beast for most of the year. Yeah, I think one thing I'm kind of interested in with Tim going forward is I mean he was so good other than when he got to the one yard line and then it was yeah. just negative runs all day. So I, I'm kind of conflicted in terms of what we saw from him going forward. Do those negative one-yard runs that just continue after on the one-yard goal line, they kept going to him? Does that mean he loses that gig going forward? Or were they just so confident in him that they kept running it to him? Does that just mean that no matter what happens, he's going to keep getting them? Yeah, and, and I think as long as it's not doesn't turn into like a two- or three-game swing, you'll probably see the Chiefs keep going to him. So, again, uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not trying to like ring alarm bells, but it is something to watch, right? I mean, and again, I think the bigger thing for me was he didn't catch a pass. Um, but I, I think that's more game flow things. So again, two things to keep an eye on, but not, not really big deals in my mind. All right. So let's jump into week one and, uh, starting with the quarterbacks. The one thing that I've really stood out to me when I'm looking at the ownership, it's pretty flat, right? I mean, we have Lamar Jackson's project for double digit ownership, but just barely, uh, 10% on DraftKings, 13% on FanDuel. And he's the only quarterback with ownership projected over 7%. Now, one thing about Lamar Jackson, he totally changed how I built my lineups last year. I'm generally somebody who only makes stacks when I build GPP lineups. And I had to totally change how I set up my builds in Fantasy Cruncher because I had to start running some naked Lamar Jackson lineups, which is something I didn't do in the past. And he kind of totally overhauled just how I approach building my lineups. And now I'm kind of unsure what I'm going to be doing with him this year, especially in week one. He's so much more expensive than the rest of the field. So how do you feel about Lamar Jackson against the Browns tomorrow? Yeah, so I agree. I mean, Lamar Jackson throws a wrench into things for me as well. I'm a guy who just likes to come out, you know, look for cheap quarterbacks, look for cheap stacks, and and just do game stacks. And it's it's simple, 
and you can attack games and, and you can, you know, go overweight and, and stuff like that. With Lamar Jackson, you have to think a little bit more. I mean, and uh, it's you can stack with him, but it's not as – I don't really feel it's as optimal. I mean, you have Mark Andrews there as well, who's an expensive tight end. And I kind of like Mark Andrews, but, you know, you're paying up for Lamar uh, Jackson and Mark Andrews. Um, it, it really gets your salary up there quite a bit. So – and we don't – it's not like uh, regular week ones either, Greg, where we have – like we don't really have a ton – of value to pick from yet. So maybe, maybe more injuries will come into play. And there's already a couple, I mean, uh, I think people will probably be looking at the Detroit wide receivers, but it's not like a, a smash spot, even, even for, for those guys. So um, as I get my ownership, uh, well, actually, as I screw my ownership page up, uh, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Anyways, Lamar Jackson projected to be the, the highest owned quarterback on the slate. I mean, it, it's pretty, it's pretty close between the other ones. I have him ranked. I mean, obviously in my projections for Sunday, the, the the top QB. I don't think that's a big shock. The big thing for me is, especially on this week one, and there is a lot of unknowns. I have a lot of cheap quarterbacks ranked higher than probably most people, and they're all really close to each other. So I really want to play all these cheap quarterbacks, especially in GPPs. I'm probably going to fade Lamar Jackson week one. Um, the Browns are, I don't know. The Browns are still the Browns. They do have a new coaching staff coming in. Um, their, their defense from last year, obviously still, Still got some really legitimate players, and they did handle the Browns once uh, out of two matchups. So, all things considered, here I'm probably going to fade a chalky Lamar Jackson, or I'll just have like lower than the field average of him. I'm, I'm sure I'll probably chicken out uh, like Sunday morning, like I got to make some Lamar Jackson lineups. But um, I don't think it's you know quarterback. I, I still take that old school approach, even with you know the way Lamar Jackson changed things. I just don't really feel like you have to pay up on most weeks for tournaments. You know, we can start talking about some of these guys. Bridgewater, Garoppolo, um, Minshew, even Mitch Trubisky. All these guys are sticking out to me. I think they have good stacking options, a lot of them too. So that's probably for tournaments where uh, I'll be rolling. Yeah, and I kind of agree with you on Lamar Jackson. I'm I'm definitely not confident enough to just fade him because at, yep. at the end of the day, like I don't want it to be we get one of those games where Lamar Jackson scores, you know, 35 DraftKings points or whatever. And it's yep. just like, oh, I have, I have zero Lamar Jackson, so I just get crushed for the week. Uh, so I'm going to have some exposure to him. I agree with you, though. I'm almost certainly going to be less in the field. And I don't know how much I'm going to stack him with with Mark Andrews, with Marquise Brown or anything like that. I think most of my lines with him are going to be naked. And then I'll just kind of look for some value to plug in around him. You mentioned how there's a lack of value this week. And there's a couple of reasons. Number one, that the biggest reason, no preseason this year. Right. Yeah. So usually usually where most of the value comes from an NFL week one is the pricing comes out before preseason starts, just so the sites could you know, get their contests promoted and all that. And then players get hurt in the preseason. We just have a bunch of backups that are starting. And since there's, there was no preseason, we don't have those injury situations creating that obvious value. And the other thing, at least on DraftKings, the, the min salary changed. It used to be 3000 for running backs, only 4,000 this year. So I think there are a couple of 4,000 running backs that we could consider when we get into the position, but we just don't have those like super cheap punt 3k running back options we've had in the past. And that just overall limits the amount of value that we have. Uh, yeah, talking. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, I have to say a couple couple points from the chat. Yes, someone saying, you know, uh, why pay up for for Mark Andrews when you can get the kill? It's a fair point. I still think the the spot is good for for Andrews, but that's kind of what had me hesitant on Andrews and stacking with him. Right, is the price. So I kind of agree with that point. Uh, on the contrary, guys. By the way, just a quick shout out. That's going to be at three o'clock uh, Eastern. And um, yeah, I don't know. What were you gonna What were you gonna say, Greg? Should we Should we dive into like the cheap QB talk or anything or like who you're? So <laughs> 
there's definitely one that I want to talk about. He's somebody you mentioned okay. and somebody who a couple of years ago, the two of us were really high on because we've been doing, you know, football shows together on DraftKings for like three years now or something yep. like that. And Mitch Trubisky is somebody who a couple of years ago, both you and I were pretty much higher on him than everybody. Yep. And he was, he was a really good fantasy quarterback for GPPs. For real life, he kind of sucked at the time. But one of the reasons he was so good for fantasy at the time was because he ran the ball a lot and just would have these games where he'd have like 80 rushing yards, a touchdown, and would have big fantasy games. And then what happened last year, he just stopped running. Like it was, I don't know if he was injured for a lot of last year or he forgot there was an option. Something changed with the Bears offense where Mitch Trubisky went from running a ton to basically not running at all. And he just killed his fantasy upside. So I'm looking at him this week and I don't know what to expect from him this year. I think he has the widest range of outcomes of any player at any position for DFS this year. Because I think that the upside for Mitch Trubisky is legitimately that he could be like a top eight fantasy quarterback. Right. Like if he starts running the ball like he did a couple of years ago, he's immense fantasy upside. Now, the downside is uh, he might suck at throwing the football like he did last year and he might not run and he might be out of a starting gig like three weeks into the season. So the range of outcomes here is ridiculous. I like him for GPPs this week. He doesn't have much ownership. How do you feel about Trubisky? Yeah, I, and look, you're right. I, I forgot you were a Mitch Trubisky truther like me. I mean, this is great. <laughs> great start to the show. We're the Mitch Trubisky train, baby. Let, like, get on it with us, folks. But, um, yeah, it was actually 3.30 for On the Contrary, guys, 3.30 Eastern. But uh, And smash that like while you're at it. We really appreciate it. Hit that like. But, yeah, the, the Mitch Trubisky train, folks. You guys got to get on this week one. I mean, look, I, you're, Greg's at 100% right. I started taking Trubisky in some of my best ball, my late best ball drafts as my third quarterback for this reason alone. The dude has, like, he's got upside for fans. I don't care if you think he sucks. And, yeah, he's, he absolutely does suck, last, especially last year, right? But his his fantasy production, like, the, the upside is there, man. Like, the guy is absolutely a fantastic open field runner if he can if he can break it open again and get some confidence. And I really feel like last year it was just a lack of confidence why he wasn't running. He, he felt like he should be sitting back there in the pocket, um, you know, I, I really feel like Matt Nagy, and I really feel like a lot of Mitch Trubisky's problems are Matt Nagy related. Matt Nagy is just—he just feels like a very like controlling coach. Uh, Trubisky needs someone different, but maybe maybe this year they figure it out. Um, the, the the matchup week one though, I'm enticed. Six touchdowns and one interception versus the Lions last year. Um, I think he's got 330 yards passing. He's done it. He's done it twice. Uh, no, wait. He's done it. Yeah, twice versus the the, the Lions. He's he's thrown for over 330 yards. Um, I really like this matchup for Allen Robinson too. Since we're on the topic, going up against Jeff Okuda. I know Jeff Okuda is like the third overall pick. It doesn't mean that a rookie cornerback is going to come down and shut Allen Robinson down. I think this is a terrible matchup for a rookie week one. Um, the uh, you know Desmond Trufant on the other side has been having lower grades. So. I like the way this is setting up. The one thing that really had behind Trubisky too for week one, and you mentioned the rushing, David Montgomery was going to be out a little bit. I think it, it actually sucks for Trubisky that he's going to play, I think. I don't think it's that big a deal. It's not like it really changes projections that much or anything. But you know, having that every down running back in there probably means maybe a few less runs for Trubisky. So something to think about. But overall, yeah, I'm, I'm high on this spot. I'm going to definitely have some exposure um, you know, the ownership is getting up there a little bit. I think, you know, I, I've seen a few other people talking about him, but uh, it's definitely not to the point where he's going to be like the the absolute shock or anything. Perfect. That's absolutely what I needed heading into week one was Mitch Trubisky confirmation bias. That's, yeah, well, that's, that's what we all come to the right place, one. friend. <laughs> yeah. If, if nothing else, when it goes poorly, we, we at least have somebody else. So it's like, hey, we, we were both way off on this, but he, it's also a play where I think it probably fails more often than not. It's just the upside is so substantial. His price is cheap. 
And like you said, even though his ownership is maybe a little higher than what we would have expected, he's still only projected for 5%. So with what I perceive his upside to be with his price tag, I, I think he's worth taking shots on. Uh, one other guy is that I think is worth stacking with is Anthony Miller, who I think has potential to be decent this year out of the slot. I think that for more of a DraftKings play than FanDuel, just because of the PPR points, I think that Miller could be decent this year. Um, but yeah, Trubisky, I think as a GPP option certainly makes sense. Um, somebody else who I'm really struggling with what to make of this year, Cam Newton, favorable matchup for him against the Dolphins right in that same price range. And this is another guy who the, 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 the range of outcomes is really wide. I don't think it's quite as, as wide as Trubisky. And I have a little bit more confidence in Newton. Uh, the other thing that I actually think kind of helps him in a weird way is that he missed so much time last year with the injury that I kind of think this is going to be the freshest version of Newton that we've seen in a few years because he's had so much time off. This is going to allow his shoulder to get healed because that's been an issue. He's had issues just overall with the health of his shoulder. He had surgery. And I think that probably contributed to a lot of his inaccuracies. Not to say that peak Cam Newton was, you know, like a, a marksman quarterback who was just throwing strikes over the middle of the field, but he was so ridiculously inaccurate when we saw him play last year. And I think that the shoulder injury played a big part in that. And the time off, I think is going to help him. So Going up against the Dolphins in week one, I think that he makes sense to GPP play. Uh, how much confidence do you have, if any, in Cam Newton? Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I really actually like his touchdown prop, if you can find it. I think on the DK Sportsbook, it was around plus 300 for him to, to rush for a touchdown. I like that. And, you know, if I like that, and I like Cam to come out and be aggressive near the goal line, rushing and stuff like that. And, I've you know, the Patriots have talked up about his rushing ability. I really feel like Josh McDaniels is going to get him in some good situations to be a rusher. Um, you kind of have to like him at this price for DFS. The more I think about this matchup in, in Cam Newton, I almost think he's probably like a pretty viable cash option. Um, he's not overly expensive. I agree. Like I trust him more and the Patriots in this spot than I do Trubisky. Um, I am someone who'd probably be crazy enough to roll Trubisky in a cash lineup, but you know, that's, that doesn't make him the, the optimal play. That's just what I would do. Um, you know, neither of these guys that we've, we're talking about either are going to be like the overly chalk Cam projecting out in the Osmo projections, 5.9% on DK. So that's nice. Um, you know, and, and again, it, it's, it's, it's like a lesser version of Lamar Jackson. I don't think you have to pair Cam Newton with anyone from the Patriots. I don't think you actually don't think you should um, because like you're kind of, I mean, we're all guessing here, like Nikhil Carey, I've heard he's peppering Edelman. That's great. Maybe you go Edelman and just hope it, it like ends up like, like a mini version of Tom Brady and, and he gets like 10 targets, but I think you're you're kind of throwing darts with the Patriots receivers, so a naked Cam Newton stack makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned Edelman paired with with Newton. The the, the concern I have there is I just can't imagine Edelman's going to be as successful out of the slot as he was with Tom Brady. Just Cam Newton's so inaccurate throwing the ball over the middle compared to a guy like Brady that I think that Edelman takes a pretty big hit playing with Newton. But it still remains to be seen. We haven't seen Newton really play in two years. Who knows what he's going to look like? That's another guy. The, the range of outcomes is pretty wide. And just another guy in that mid-tier price range where, you know, I think there's a lot of upside in him. And that's one of the other reasons that when we talked about Lamar Jackson, I'm going to be underweight to the field on him. Is there just all these quarterbacks for like $2,000 cheaper or more that I think have maybe not the same upside, but close-ish yeah. and are also just, like we've said, we have a ton of value on the slate. There's It, it just makes sense that this is a spot to, to save money. Um yeah, Looking actually, Stra Strammy in the chat made a good one. Uh, Demir Bird, 3.2K, wide receiver three, experience playing with Cam in, in Carolina. So actually, again, if you're going to pair Cam with someone, like take a shot with someone like that. I like that. Sorry, just going to – I thought that was a really good point. Yeah, no, no, that's that's fine. 
bring it up. Free-flowing show, it is not a big deal. And then one thing for people who are not in the premium chat, if you sign up today for an Osmo Plus NFL Weekly Pass, you get 50% off when you use the promo code REDZONE at checkout. $7.50 for one week of Osmo Plus. It gives you access to all of the Osmo's leading player projections, ownership projections, top stacks, and more for NFL DFS. Limited time offer only valid through September 15th, so that is midway through next week. Head over to Osmo Plus. Join the page at Osmo.com or check it out on Twitter and click the link. Uh, so my first show hosting, I hope I don't get in trouble for just giving away a package for 50% off, but hey, that's that's what we're doing here. That's what we're doing. So if this is the last time, if this is the last time I host, it's because I gave away too much free stuff, too much half-price <laughs> memberships. Uh, so going back to the quarterbacks now, uh, somebody else who is pretty highly projected ownership relative to the field anyway, is Carson Wentz at 6,300 against the Washington football team. So here's, here's the deal with, with Wentz. That offensive line for the Eagles is banged up, right? Mm -hmm. We're, we haven't even started the season. They've already changed Jason Peters position. He, he requested a, a, an up, a, a salary increase just to change where he was playing on the offensive line, which that's crazy, but whatever it is, what it is. Uh, Then he also has two starting offensive linemen already out for the season. And then going up against Washington, who have, I think what's going to be a really underrated defense to open the season. They, they added Chase Young. They already had a strong defensive line. I look at the ownership of Carson Wentz, and I am not nearly as confident as the field is. I get that Washington didn't have a great defense last year. I think it's going to be improved this year, and I have massive concerns about the Eagles' offensive line. Uh, do you feel any differently about Wentz this week? No, not really. Um, there, there's a reason, like, I, I kind of brought up the cheap QBs, like, after Lamar. I mean, I, I you know, I bypassed Carson Wentz in this spot. Um, that is the strength of the Redskins defense, or the, the, the football the football team's defense. It's, um, it's tough. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to be tough uh, reminding. I've Just actually been pretty good with him until now. But, um, uh, yeah, the, it is, it's a tough spot, man. Like, I mean, they could absolutely t- take down Carson Wentz for, for five or six sacks. It would not shock me. I think their secondary is bad enough that Wentz will probably, uh, you know, be able to get around, at least squeak out a win. But I don't have a ton of confidence in, in – I just – and Carson Wentz, honestly, it's just someone I just don't play that often. Um, the the Eagles tend to be a team where – I don't know. I mean, Jalen Rager's back, so I guess that 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 bumps up his upside a little bit. But, um, yeah, for me, the the play in there will, will be the running backs. I'm, I'm interested in Boston Scott kind of as like a – a tournament pivot possibly we'll see uh, if we get any reports on, on miles Sanders usage. Uh, I know a couple people in the chat were asking about him with him when we hit running backs, but um, yeah, I, I think for, for Wentz, I mean, I think the price is probably drawing people there, which makes sense. And I mean, like a big favorite quarterback, I don't, I don't absolutely hate the spot, but um, again, and, and I primarily primarily play GPPs in, in NFL. Uh, I, I'd probably build a cash lineup for week one, but I don't think I'd go to Wentz. I think I'd feel better just taking a shot on a cheaper quarterback because, again, we don't have a ton of value, and I really feel like the savings that you get uh, by going down this week is going to be more important. So it's not the worst spot, but I do feel like the, the pass rush in, in Washington, absolutely. I also just don't have confidence in um, you know the wide receivers there for, for Philly that much. So uh, all things considered, for GPPs, the guy I'm, I'd rather try and get up to is Russell Wilson, who is – I think he's projected around the fifth most expensive or most uh, owned lower ownership than Wentz. And again, you're paying up for that lower ownership, which I like. I think Wilson and, and the Seahawks are going to come out and, and pass the ball a little bit more in week one than people think. That That's my take. It's it's not really based on anything more than just reading tea leaves, but um, I love the matchup for DK Metcalf. Absolutely think he's going to destroy there. 
And uh, if I think that, then Wilson's going to have a big day. So. Uh, so before we move on to the next position, just because we talked about Wentz and I, I'm going to tie it in here and try not to jump around too much, but Washington's defense is min price. They're projected for almost no ownership this week, like literally almost no ownership. I think the last I looked, they were like 0.2% projected ownership. If that's the case and Carson Wentz is going to be really chalky, I think that's such a good leverage spot because the, the Washington front seven, like I mentioned, now that they've added Chase Young also, and then you just you add that to the how banged up the Eagles offensive line is. They've lost two or five starters. They're moving Jason Peters' position around. If Washington's defense is better than it was last year, I don't think it's ridiculous to think they rack up a few sacks. We're hurting for value on this slate. That, to me, is one of the more logical ways to get leverage on this slate and look for a little bit of value. Do you feel the same way, or is that just totally Yeah, no, I like it. I mean, look, I am definitely – and, you know, for a cash lineup, I would probably rather go to the Jets. Uh, You know, you got Greg uh, Greg Williams going up against uh, Josh Allen. He's – Josh Allen turned the ball like three times in week one last year. Greg Williams will bring pressure on Josh Allen. I I like that spot more for a safe floor play, but yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, I I am using cheap defenses this week. Like I will take shots. I might use the Seahawks at 2,400. Um, I I will use Washington at 2K because like Greg said, there's, there's just not much other places to get like uh, to save a lot of money. And, And look, DST, who cares if these teams are bad? It's so it's such a variable spot. Like you, you get one like Chase Young like sack touchdown, boom. You're like two K. You're absolutely set. You're you're killing the field, um, even if the you know Washington sucks for the rest of the day. So um, yeah, absolutely a spot I'll be I'll be looking towards in GPPs. Yeah, it's it's such a high variance position. I always think yeah. it makes sense to to save money there. And the other thing too that not a the, like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the other thing too that people don't realize is. Just because a team's projected to win by ten points, it doesn't even mean that's a good spot for the defense. Because you just you just don't you just don't know what's going to happen. It's such a it's such and, a high variance position. And a lot that, of times, these these big defenses that are heavy favorites will get up, and then they'll just play lax the rest of the game. They won't be going for turnovers, right? Like you you want turnovers, you want chaos. When teams get up, that's kind of when they just sit back and they're like, okay, oh yeah, get a ten yard pass, get a ten yard pass. We're not going to do anything. And then you get no chaos, you get no variance, and your team ends up with like eight points and you paid like 3700 for them. So, um, yeah, that, that's why I love paying down on defense whenever you can. All right, so moving on to running backs, the player on the slate who's projected for the most ownership, no surprise, Christian McCaffrey also comes with a very steep 10000 price tag on DraftKings. He is 10000 also on FanDuel, so the exact same price on both sites. Projected for big ownership on both. Are you going to pay up for McCaffrey at ten thousand? It, it's hard to deny the the upside there. Um, to me, he's more of a cash play than a GPP play, just because I know what we're getting out of him. He has a really safe floor. Uh, yeah. I don't want to fade him in tournaments or anything like that, but I feel like I'm going to be lower than the field on him, just because, like we said, there isn't quite as much value as we've had on other Week One slates. Yeah. So with McCaffrey. Legitimately hard to fit into two cash lineups. It feels like right now. Um, I, I know I had a couple people asking in the chat, should you fade them? I mean, it, it, it it's setting up. Like I, I actually think I don't want to fade him either, but it, it is like the builds that you you make with him. You, you don't feel good about really like they're, you've got to stuff in some receivers that aren't good. I, I actually am, am leading towards the idea that I, it, he might be a, a good fade for, in cash games and uh, and you know you just pay up at a couple other spots, but again we're getting more injury news as it's coming and and that could change. So not not a must fade or anything like that at the price, but he's definitely not like the lock that he is has been in, in weeks past where it's it's just easy to get up to him and and you don't have to worry too much. 
I think you should probably still try and get him in there, but uh, I, I'm not I'm not going to put him out there as like a must must start in, in those kind of lineups. For GPPs, I think my take is, and we didn't talk about Teddy Bridgewater. I do like Teddy Bridgewater this week too, um, but pure GPP play, um, really going up against the weak um, Raiders secondary there. Uh, you got some good matchups, but you know McCaffrey's still going to be involved in any passing game as well. So for tournaments, if you're going to play McCaffrey. Just play it as part of like a, a Panther stack, like start Bridgewater, start Curtis Samuel with them or something like that. Go for a three-man stack, play Josh Jacobs on the other side. Um, everyone's going to play Josh Jacobs and Christian McCaffrey, but I don't think that many people are going to play them together, right? So I kind of like the double payup uh, game stack there for the, for the Raiders and Panthers. I think that is a game that could get, you know, a little bit crazy. You could see some broken plays. You got bad defense really bad defense on the Panthers and a really, really bad secondary with guys, you know, McCaffrey could get loose in the slot. Curtis Samuel could get loose in the slot. LaMarcus Joyner, I think he was graded the worst slot corner in the year and the, uh, of 2019. There's some really good matchups for, for the receiving core there of the Panthers. So maybe playing with Bridgewater and Samuel uh, McCaffrey. And I think that's how you get a little bit unique with them in tournaments. Yeah. And the other funny thing about, about the correlation stack you mentioned there, which, which I agree with, that makes sense. Um, I mean, McCaffrey could very well be the, the leading receiver for the Panthers this year. I don't think that's crazy. So you could just kind of roster him almost as if he's a wide receiver. And then the reason that stack also makes sense is, I mean, the Panthers run defense is probably going to be terrible this year. I mean, they were last in DVOA last year. They don't, there's no reason to think they're going to be better this yeah. season. Yeah. So better, they're think, not going to be better without Luke Keekley, right? So. No, for sure. For sure not. I mean, they lost, yeah, they lost one of the best linebackers in the NFL when they already had the worst run defense in the league. So we look at Josh Jacobs at 6,800. The question I really have with him this year, which I don't think matters as much when he's only a 6,800 price tag because it's still relatively cheap. It looks like it's going to be a favorable game script. Is he going to catch passes this year? Yeah. My gut feeling is probably no because they signed Jalen Richard to a big contract extension, which leads me to think that, you know, why would they give him that contract unless they still want to play that pass catching role? Uh, there's, there's no way that Jacobs catches less passes than he did last year. But 6,800 yeah. in a plus matchup, it, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm, I'm on board with him. Yeah, and I'm going to have shares of Jacob. I will say this. I love Joe Mixon as a pivot play here. Um, I think people are, are overlooking him, his spot. I mean, they're not completely overlooking it. It's not like he's going like 3% owned, but he'll probably be close to half the ownership. He's projecting out around that. Uh, he's projecting under 10% in the Osmo projections. I'll throw that out there for you guys. But no Derwin James for the Chargers. The Chargers were not a good run defense last year. Like, they were not good. That, that is definitely their soft spot. Um, not great against, uh, I think they were like a bottom five team in terms of allowing fantasy points to the RB position, definitely bottom 10. Um, but, you know, Mixon was, was getting the big workload. And in a rookie's first game, like I, I can't see the Bengals plan not to give Joe Mixon like 25 touches in this game. Um, I know we're all waiting for Mixon to become like that receiver. Maybe this is where it happens too. I and mean, that's the nice thing about week one. You can at least talk yourself into it. Okay, maybe it's the spot where Joe Mixon gets like eight targets and if I roster him here at actually a, a fine price, I think, you know, you're getting a little bit ahead of the game. But the nice thing is, even if that doesn't happen, the matchup is good enough where he could go off just with rushes and, and like a multi-touchdown spot. So I like the Bengals kind of for an upset here too, week one, Greg, as we're talking about it. And uh, I really like mixing in tournaments, um, you know, and, and if you want to fade Jacobs, and again, I'm going to have exposure to Jacobs, but I'm also going to fade him in a lot of, of lineups. Going to Waller at tight end as another, you know, kind of a pivot because I don't think that many people are going to use Darren Waller on the Raiders is kind of a good move too if you're making like a Carolina stack. So, 
So there's one other running back who's projected for a massive amount of ownership today, and it is not in a good matchup, and that's Alvin Kamara. He's 7,200 on DraftKings, projected for almost 20% ownership, second highest uh, projected ownership on the slate at the position just behind Christian McCaffrey. So I'm struggling a little bit with the Kamara thing. First, I was kind of thinking a couple of weeks ago he wasn't going to play in week one. It looked like he was going to be a yeah. holdout candidate, but that's that's uh, that's no longer an issue. But still, I look at Kamara, the the Bucks had a ridiculously good run defense last year. They finished first overall in ZVOA against the run, and Kamara struggled to run against them. I mean, pretty much every team struggled to run against them. But, I mean, the other thing with Kamara is that he's so much receiving ability that yeah. maybe it doesn't matter if he can't run the ball this game because they might just give him, you know, 10 receptions he might that might be how they how they get around the really good bucks uh run defenses they just dump off a lot of short little screen type passes to Kamara, and then it doesn't matter so that's kind of where i struggle is is i look at his his ownership projection the matchup and what his salary is and i'm just trying to figure out like how much room do i want in gpbs because i do want some of them it's definitely going to be a very good game environment at least on paper high total Uh, i just don't know if i like him quite as much as the field yeah, Kamara's going to be one of those guys for me. I don't think I'm going to be like sprinkling him in into lineups. Like, he's not going to be like a core piece for me. So I won't be over the field either. He'll be part of like a, a Tampa Bay, New Orleans game stack build for me. I'll, I'll, I'll sprinkle him into one or two of those because I definitely will have pieces of, 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 the, of, of, I'll have lineups centered around that game. Um, I do think that, you know, with the Saints at home, these two quarterbacks and, and the Bucks offense projecting to be, um, you know, one of the best in, in, in the league. I, I'm going to get like game stacks here because I do feel like we have a shot of like a 40, 38 game, right? Uh, I think it's got the second second or first highest projected uh, game total on the slate. So, you know, Kamara, I agree. The spot's not good. And I was actually surprised to see his ownership up there. I probably would have, you know, figured to take a, a few more shots with him or maybe even gone overweight if the ownership wasn't up, which I, I thought I didn't think he would be projecting to be a highly owned play, but he's up there. People like Kamara. And I guess he's such a big discount off McCaffrey that that's probably drawing people to it. People maybe still not hundred percent on board with Jacobs and then uh, Eckler. So um, yeah, but that, that's how I'm approaching Kamara too. Like I, I think the matchup is terrible. I'm not really sold on Kamara being up to the level of skill of McCaffrey either. So like, I'm not really, I'm not really what I'm not, I don't want to say I'm biased. I'm just not really like an Alvin Kamara truther. Right. So he's not a guy I'm like, I got to get like Kamara in my lineups. I do think this is a spot though, where you can see a ton of points in this game. I'll have game stacks. I just won't be over the field in Kamara. All right. So you weren't able to talk me off Mitch Trubisky, but there's <laughs> another value play. I really like it running back. And maybe you'll talk me off this one. Probably not. But, uh, well, let's Who do you think is my favorite cheap running back on the slate? I'm just going to give you a, a name and I'm going to give you a guess and see if you can. Okay. Who it is. Uh, cheap running back. I'll say Chris Thompson. All right. That, it is Chris Thompson. So, I mean, I, I just look at the Jaguars running back situation and there's a couple things. First, Chris Thompson's really talented and he's a good fantasy player when he actually gets touches and he's super efficient in the passing game. The Jaguars are going to stink this year. Their offense is going to be terrible. The, the, the spread for this game seems to indicate that they're over a touchdown underdog. So this seems to be the perfect game script for Thompson. And the other thing to consider too, is that, you know, we, we just don't know who's going to play a running back for them. They cut four net right before the season. So it's a little up in the air. I, I don't know how many touches Chris Thompson's going to get, but I do know this. If there's any time you want to roster Chris Thompson, it's in week one when he's actually healthy. Cause this is, this is the only time we know that he's going to be healthy coming into a game. It could be, the, it could be the only time all season. This seems to be the perfect game script for him. He's 4,000. 
He's overall my favorite value play on the slate. Uh, I know the people who are going to want, want to roster James Robinson also. He's actually projected for slightly more ownership than Thompson. Yep. But I, I really like Thompson. He's going to be a core play for me. Can you talk me off him or no? Uh, I'm not talking off Chris Thompson, man. Get more Chris Thompson in your lineups. I mean, um, low, no, I, I, absolutely. Greg, Greg, Greg pretty much went over everything I, I, I would have said about Chris Thompson. I mean, I'll throw a couple more coals on the fire here. Guess who allowed the most receptions to opposing running backs last year? I mean, it was the Indianapolis Colts. Like, this is this is prime Chris Thompson matchup. I know James Robinson is is getting a little bit of fanfare and stuff like that, but it's not like the. <laughs> It's not like the Jaguars are good at like running the ball, right? I mean, this is a spot where they're projected to be losing by more than a touchdown. Um, Chris Thompson is the only veteran uh, running back on the roster right now. He's got experience with the head coach. Yeah, dude, like I'm surprised Chris Thompson isn't being like the, the smash value spot of the slate. The more, the more and more I think about it, I actually have to remind myself to play Chris Thompson because he's getting talked up so little this week. Um, absolutely. And look, I, we didn't really get to Gardner Minshew as part of the cheap QBs, but you know, you're playing a Jaguar stack with Minshew, throw him in there, man. You know, Chark, Thompson, Minshew, that's one of my favorite stacks too this week. Uh, you can come back with Marlon Mack on the other side while we're talking about running backs. He's absolutely smashed the, uh, the Jaguars D in a couple matchups. And, you know, everyone's kind of scared of Jonathan Taylor. I'm not scared of Mar playing Marlon Mack this week. Um, Jonathan Taylor, the last blurb I read on him, He's going to get mixed in. Like I, I, he's not coming in early in the game. Yes, he will. He'll make an appearance. He'll probably steal a couple of carries. But if Mac gets off to a good start, um, I think you'll see mainly Marlon Mack in this game. And again, this is a great, great matchup at 5,300. So like uh, like a lot of pieces in this game as well. Absolutely love Chris Thompson. I think he's cash game viable. Um, don't have don't have anything bad to say. I will say this: there's one other running back at 4K. I think could pay off and probably will be like. Under 1% owned, J.D. McKissick um, in Washington. Uh, similar story. Like, they're, they're projected to be behind. Everyone's on this Antonio Gibson guy. He's not even a pure running back. Like, I, I could see Antonio Gibson being on the, the field for like five, like getting like five touches this game. Um, I think McKissick has a better chance of, of you know, really smashing value there. He's, he's the passing down back. So, um, GPPs, I'll mix him in. But Thompson, I think, projects out as the, the, the safer, better play. So, yeah, I'm not sure what to do with the Washington running back situation. I think it's just going to be I a mean, spot I don't I don't have yeah. a lot of exposure to. I just yeah. have no confidence, and I really like Chris Thompson, so that's just kind of where that's that's just where I want to invest my money. Is I look at Chris Thompson, I'm like this is the the 4K running back I have the I have the most faith in. He's somebody who I know is a good fantasy producer when he gets touches. So I'm just going to roster him. I'm going to avoid Washington. I don't feel nearly as comfortable in Marlon Mack as you do. It's just I mean, Naheem Hines is still there. Also, Taylor is going to get touches. I mean, I just can't imagine that they invested a second round pick in Jonathan Taylor to not give him a decent amount of run. So that that's really my concern there is I think there's going to be three guys getting touches in the Colts backfield. Uh, I agree with you that if Mac is to get the bulk of the touches, it's a great spot for him. I'm just not totally confident that's the case. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of these kind of timeshare situations that I'm just not confident enough to make an investment in. Yeah, and look, James in the chat making a good point. I mean, James Robinson is—he's like a, a pretty decent—he's a pretty decent prospect for a UDFA. But I agree. The thing is, guys, like, how many carries is James Robinson going to get when the Jaguars are down by ten with like a quarter and a half to go? Like, you're going to see Chris Thompson on the field a lot. So it's—it's it's not a, a, an anti-James Robinson take by us. It's a game flow thing. Uh, you really got to look at and think about how the games are going to go. Could it? Could it flip and James Robinson and, and the Jags win this game? Absolutely, but. 
the most likely scenario, Jags are going to be down. Chris Thompson's going to get uh, a lot of run. And All the right, PPR so, points, right? Like, how, like yeah, how yeah, for sure. Robinson's going to catch probably none, to be honest. So, yeah, and that's really the main reason I like I like Chris Thompson. It's just it's just the way I look at the game flow setup, which actually then kind of makes me like Chris Thompson for your leagues too. And that's why I drafted him in best ball a decent amount is because. The Jaguars have the lowest team total of any team in the league this year. They're going to lose almost every game. They're going to be losing most of the time. So that just all sets up really well for Chris Thompson. Uh, looking at the other running backs, we do have a couple injury situations to talk about. Uh, you mentioned Boston Scott earlier. Miles mm-hmm. Sanders uh, was limited in practice on Friday. He's officially listed as questionable on the injury report. It, it's a tough situation to figure out, and it's something we need a little bit more information on just yeah. because there's been rumors that Sanders could be limited in week one. We don't know that for sure, though. Uh, you mentioned Boston Scott. So what what kind of information would we need to come out on Sanders for you to really make a significant investment in Scott? So, yeah, I'll, I'll be quick here because we, we should probably move on to wide receiver soon. But, um, like, Boston Scott is obviously pure GPP play. If you get him confirmation that either, you know, Sanders is not 100% or he's, he's not going to just get his full complement of carries, which is kind of looks like it's trending towards, I think Boston Scott GPPs makes a ton of sense. Pass rush, bad Philly O-line. That means more dump-offs to Scott. We saw him in that, like, excel in that role. He's a good player. I do not mind taking a shot there. Uh, maybe use him and Carson Wentz together. I don't know. But um, definitely, like, I, I will probably throw him in a lineup or two if we get good news on that. If it's just like Sanders is, like, you know, probably going to play his, his regular workload, just avoid it. It's not worth it. Um, but, yeah, that's my take on Boston Scott. All right, so moving on to wide receivers, we have had some news that came out as we were doing this show. Mike Evans was doubtful to play. He's been upgraded to questionable. <laughs> with with that information in mind, what are you doing with the Tampa Bay wide receivers and new quarterback Tom Brady this weekend? Yeah, I, I, my, my plan was to um, play a little Scotty Miller. Um, I might still play. I, honestly, I might throw him in there. I, I yeah, let, let, let's go over the ownerships here because I, I gotta I gotta like take a refresher. I've, I've kind of avoided this situation in my mind because of Evans, you know, questionability, but you know, Godwin obviously now projecting to be like the, th- looks like around the third or fourth highest owned player on DK. That worries me a bit. Like, it's not like I'm anti Chris, Chris Godwin or anything. It's just, I, I, I don't know, man. I mean, it is still a tough saints pass defense. I really, I wanted to play Mike Evans in this spot. I really wanted him. I really wanted Mike Evans to come up healthy, be a little bit lower owned than Godwin. You know, everyone would probably be, be scared off Evans because of the matchup with, with Lattimore. Um, but now that he's not hundred percent, you know, it's hard for me to, to give that take at all. I mean, he could just be out there as a decoy easily week one and you could see Godwin guys like Scotty Miller, uh, maybe Gronk. So I don't really know. Like I, like I said, I want to get exposure to this game. I'm still pretty undecided on who I want to pair Brady with. Maybe I'll just eat the chalk and, and get a little Godwin exposure and make it, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of ways you can make it contrarian, with Godwin and Brady by going to a guy like Scotty Miller as your third wheel or something, which is nice. Um, obviously there's a lot of variance in playing a guy like that. I don't really know what a snap count's going to be. Maybe he's on the field for like 10 plays, maybe he plays like 70% of the game. That's, a, that's literally the range of outcomes there for Scotty Miller. But um, I, I am, I am sold on him as a player. I think he will be a part of the Tampa offense. And then the other play is Gronk. Um, I, I might just, I might just pair Brady with Gronk in the spot and and just, you know, call it a day. So, and then just come back on the other side with some of the higher owned saints. Uh, I'm probably not going to pay up for Godwin in cash uh, unless he, I don't know. It, it's a weird spot. I, I honestly, hopefully you have a better take than me. Cause I, I, I don't really know what to do with the Tampa Bay wide receivers yet. 
Yeah, so I don't have a better take than you, and here's why. I just assumed coming into the show that Mike Evans was doubtful and that he wasn't yeah. going to play. And then he got yeah. and then he got upgraded to questionable when we were like five minutes into the show. I saw that came across. I was like, well, crap, now I don't really know what to do with, with the situation. So just, I mean, I'm going to have to hedge a little bit and be noncommittal, but it's just going to depend what happens with Mike Evans. Because I will say this, if he's out, I do think that Chris Godwin makes much more sense in terms of the chemistry with Brady than Evans does, just because I don't think Brady has that same arm strength to throw the ball downfield like he did in previous years. And I just see Godwin playing in that Julian Edelman type role in the slot where he's going to catch a lot of passes over the middle. And it just, it just stands to reason to me that his target share would go up if Evans is out. Uh, You mentioned Gronk also. I feel like it's such a fish move to play Gronk this week, but I kind of want to do it anyway, just because it's like there was no preseason. We don't know what Brady's rapport is going to be like with these wide receivers. We yeah. know that he's comfortable with Gronk. And to me, I just think that there's going to be a little bit of familiarity there where he's just like, hey, this is a guy I've played with for all these years I'm comfortable with, and I'm going to give him targets. Gronkowski is projected for almost no ownership, and he's pretty cheap. So I, I, I don't think it's a, a bad option. I just feel like it's, it's, it's just such a fish play to go. Like, I'm rostering Grob Gronkowski in 2020. I know. It, do, it does feel bad. He's pretty cheap, though. And yeah. um like if you go, if you go Brady Gronk, you can uh, fit in like a lot of the other Saints on the other side. So again, I, I'm still undecided on, on exactly how I'm going to go about uh, making those rosters. But uh, guys, I see there's like over 400 of you in the in the watching now. So if you guys can hit that like, let's get up to over 100 likes for the show. That'd be awesome. We really appreciate you guys watching. If you got questions, I am trying to check the chat a little bit. So if there's anything big, we'll we'll try and hit them on the end. But uh, you know, give us your take on, uh, on on the Tampa Bay situation. I still will. I'm going to mix in Scotty Miller because I'm an idiot, but uh, you know, I, I, I don't mind taking a shot with him there. I think that is kind of a good third wheel to make your your Brady stacks uh, a little bit unique, anyways. Well, not a little bit unique, actually, probably really unique. So, and something else that can help you build your lineups. So go to awesome.com. We do have some free content up on the site today. The NFL rankings are free, so that takes all of the players from Awesome. That's Alex Baker's projections, and he gives them a ranking. Uh, a, B, C, D. You don't want to roster anybody who's an E. That means that it's a backup quarterback or something like that. Definitely a bad play, but that, that's a good way to just go through, see how some of the players you like, how they rank out. A good way to start building your lineups. Uh, on the high end of wide receivers, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones. Uh, of these guys, I like Adams the most relative to his price. I mean, going up against against the Vikings, the, the Packers receiving core is pretty thin this year. And I just think Devontae Adams is going to get a million targets. I think he's a little bit mispriced. Michael Thomas is going to be the chalk at the position, but it, it's hard for me to justify paying 9000 for him when yeah. we could get Devontae Adams for $1,700 cheaper. How do you feel? I love Devontae Adams. Uh, just like season long and, and pretty much in this game as well, Minnesota got rid of basically their top three corners in, in the offseason. Uh, they got like Mike Hughes, uh, a rookie in Holton Hill, who basically like got suspended of all last year for like PEDs. So now he's coming off the PEDs, you know, in theory it's going to be worse. Dude, Devontae Adams is going to mash this year. I think he's going to be the number one wide receiver in fantasy. Um, And why not play him here? Like in a great matchup against a a really weak Minnesota. I'm not sold on Minnesota at all. They know Hunter's out as well. Um, I actually really like Green Bay in this game. I don't know why they're, they're underdogs. Just throw that out there. But um, yeah, give me, give me some Devontae Adams. I agree. I don't mind paying up for Julio either though. Um, I think if I'm going to do like a double pay up wide receiver lineup, it would probably be Julio and Devonte Adams. The matchup for Julio isn't as good, but he's Julio Jones. And that, that is a big game total attached. I think Seattle could get out front and you could just see like a 12 target game for Julio. So definitely like Devonte Adams better just as a pure play, but um, I don't mind either of those guys. 
Adams will be a guy I'll be overweight on. I'll, I'll try and sprinkle in. Um, and Jones will be more of like just a kind of a game stack with Seattle for me. So. Yeah, so the other thing, too, you mentioned with Julio Jones that I think makes him make a lot of sense for, for stacks is there have been a lot of rumors that this is going to be like the unlock Russ here, right, where we're just going to see the Seahawks throw the ball a ton more. So if that's the case, that game would be ridiculously high scoring, yeah. and that's yeah. probably the game I have the most interest in making a game stack of, and it's it's hard to justify making those lineups without Julio Jones, without Calvin Ridley. Exactly. I, I like Todd Gurley a little bit this week, too. He'll be mixed in. Yeah. Uh, other uh, One other wide receiver – a news item that we should hit. Uh, Kenny Galladay is doubtful to play. Yeah. So assuming that he's out, Marvin Jones is probably going to be one of the chalkier plays on the slate. And uh, you talk about a guy who's sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe crap. And it's, it's Marvin Jones. This is a guy who it's like three touchdowns or like two catches for 12 yards and not much in between. So a little worried about rostering him when he's that chalky because the downside is so low, but at the same time too, it, it's tough to not get exposure to him when it's in a good spot, when he's in a, a potentially elevated target role and his his ownership is going to be high just because the upside is so significant for him. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. I mean, Marvin Jones is a guy I like to target when he's like, you know, under 5% owned. You can throw him in like a, a little stack or something. And, you know, if, if he goes off, great. If And, and you get good leverage. But, you know, uh, man, it it is tough to avoid them though. Like we don't have a ton of other value spots opening, um, you know, wide receiver especially. You know, you got TY in there. I think Metcalf is fine, but like there's not many guys under them at uh, at price range on DK. So it it might be a spot where where you just you just eat it and and for, especially for cash games and and just get him in there. And and again, if he busts, you know he's probably going to be highly owned anyways. So um, I think he's a good enough player that he's probably not going to do like a like a full like disappearing act or anything. But he he does he does profile more as a wide receiver too, right? Like he's always kind of benefited from that in Detroit of being more the second wheel. He gets the off coverage. He gets the single coverage where, where Stafford will take shots. It's a really good touchdown producer. I hate trusting him more as a wide receiver one though. So I agree. Uh, maybe Marvin Hall, um, you know, down there at 3,900 is the play. I don't have like a, a huge take on him. He's a bit smaller dude. He's not, like he's not going to be up there like, you know, balling over people like Galladay, but he can get downfield a little bit. He's, he's had some, some connection with, um, with Stafford. So GPPs, absolutely. Like, definitely don't mind, uh, you know, uh, mixing him in. Amendola is questionable too, which would really probably bump up Hall. So, I mean, um, I'm not sure what, the, yeah, it's a hamstring, game time decision, limited. So, I, I imagine Amendola is going to play, but like, if for some reason Galladay and Amendola missed, I mean, Marvin Hall would probably be bumped up to near must play, I guess. I mean, basically the the two the two healthy wide receivers and then like rookie. So. Interesting spot to watch. It's probably where a lot of people are going to go for value this week. I will say that I, I think the Bears should be a pretty significant favorite in that game against the yeah. Lions, which isn't the case. So that, that's the spot, at least for like betting wise, that I'm most confident. I think the Lions are off in that spot. Uh, and also we're maybe a little bit higher on Mitch Trubisky, the two of us, than anybody else in the world. So so I think, I think that also might play a little bit of a factor. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to the tight ends now. George Kittle, way more expensive than every other tight end, also projected to be the highest owned on DraftKings. He's projected to be the highest owned tight end on FanDuel. I struggle a little bit to get up to the price tag, but it's such a good matchup for him against the Cardinals. Uh, he's not going to be my highest owned tight end. I think I prefer Ertz a little bit more for the price. Do you feel differently or do you have a strong feel towards Kittle? 
No, I mean, I, generally paying up for tight ends is, is just something like you, it just doesn't work out, to be honest. I mean, not that George Kittle obviously can't, can't go nuts in this spot, but, um, you know, you, you just need such a big game from a $7,200 tight end. And, uh, I mean, realistically, it, it is it is one of those slates where, you know, I, I considered it just because I don't have, like, a huge hot take of, of, of value guys, like, I'm really, really sold on, but there's enough, there's enough potential down there that I, I still don't feel like you need to, to pay up. I mean, um, again, and especially on a slate where, you know, maybe other than DST, like we don't have a ton of really cheap options that we want to rely on. I think you kind of got to, especially for cash games, got to take some, some relief here. I mean, uh, even just paying down to Mark Andrews is going to save you uh 1200. I, I, I don't, I like the spot at the very least, but um, you know, Ertz is probably the play down there at, at Washington He's going to lose some snaps to, to Dallas Goddard, but, you know, from a PPR perspective, he's just so reliable that I, I, I can't really make an argument against him there. Um, I, I really feel like, though, um, you know, especially for, for GPPs and, 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 and tournament lineups, like I'll be building around uh, a cheap cheap tight ends. I just don't really have like a solid guy. I need to, I feel like, yeah, I gotta, I'm going to smash this guy and be way overweight. It's going to be more of, I'll be mixing in a couple dudes uh, probably as part of like stacks or just uh, like one-offs. So because of their price, um, you know, I, you can talk about Hayden Hurst is predicting to be a little bit chalky. I guess that's the, maybe the next guy we should talk about. It is a good matchup against Seattle. If you like stacking that, um, that game, I mean, Hayden Hurst at 4,300 Seattle, not great against uh, the tight end last year. They do have Jamal Adams though this year, you know, patrolling the middle that, that could make a difference in coverage. Definitely. So, you know, consider that Hayden Hurst first game, as a, as a Falcon, I mean, um, you know, these are all things that, you know, have me a little bit wary about him. So um, I'm not going to, I'll probably throw him in a lineup or two, but I'm not going to be like, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to say you should probably target him as a cash game line, um, target just because of that. I like Hayden Hurst a lot this week. Uh, first, the Falcons gave up a lot of draft capital to get him. And yep. so when I see something like that, it just makes me think, if a team either trades uh, like relatively high draft pick or you or uses a relatively high draft pick to to draft somebody, I just assume that that's a player that they want to be invested in for the future. So I see that, and I, I assume that Hurst is going to be a key part of the Falcons' offense. The other thing too is just look at what Austin Hooper did in that offense last year. And it's yeah. not like Austin Hooper is some crazy talented tight end. He's solid, but it's but it's not like he's you know some George Kittle or Zach Ertz that guy. And he he kind of went nuts for fantasy in the Falcons' offense last year. So I just look at Hayden Hurst, and I think he can do a lot of the same things that Hooper did last year. They they let Hooper go. They invested a lot in Hurst. So I just assume he's going to go right into that Austin Hooper role. And at 4,300 in what I think is going to be a really good game environment for scoring, per dollar, Hayden Hurst is my favorite tight end on the slate. Uh, I'm going Hurst 1, Hurst 2, and Kittle 3. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm really high on, on Hurst this season. Okay. And, I mean, look, I I can't argue with you. I mean, I know I wrote him up as, as a GPP play th- this week, and – a little bit surprised he's getting up there in ownership, but um, you know, maybe it is just, it, it really, when you sit back and look at it, you're right. Everything is, is perfect for him in this offense. The reason Hooper gets got so many targets, I mean, over 70 uh, receptions the last two years, teams have to guard against Ridley and, and Julio on the outside. Like they have no choice. So, you know, it just leaves the tight end in single coverage all day long in, in the Atlanta offense, like all the time. And um, you're right. Like Austin Hooper is not like a plus athlete, but you don't have to be. Hurst is probably a better athlete than him. Um, so the only the only thing that worries me, I guess, two things: Jamal Adams being there, and now um, again, it's just his first game in a new offense. But you know, I, I 
I can't argue with the price. I agree with the spot. And realistically, when you look down here, this is, and this is what I said up top, I don't have a hot take about anyone else at this price. So I definitely understand why you're projecting him out to be like a, a top play because, you know, Goddard, great. I, I like, I like him as a player, but you know, Ertz is there. So you can't really project him for, for safety. Hawkinson is all over the place. Like maybe this is his spot to break out because uh, like Galladay's hurt. So I definitely understand him as a GPP play, but hard to say he's got a better floor than Hurst. He really doesn't. Um, and then you're just going under 4k, you know, th these guys are all just, it, yeah, they could pop up with a touchdown and a decent game, but they're also all like complete have huge bust potential. So definitely understand the love for Hurst there. Yeah, and and you mentioned Hawkinson. For him particularly, if Amendola ends up being out too, that's just where I think that Stafford can end up going as the safety valve. Is is maybe maybe we see a pretty high target share of Hawkinson if if yeah. both of those guys are out in Galladay and Amendola. Uh, moving over to DSTs, I, I usually don't invest a ton into any one defense. I mentioned before that I like Washington as a contrarian play, uh, particularly if it looks like Wentz is going to continue to get a, a lot of ownership. Min price for Washington and where are they 0.1% projected ownership strong front seven going up against a weak offensive line. G give me Washington for no ownership. I think that's a great way to save salary. Uh, is there any other defense that you feel strongly about? Uh, I just generally tend to mix them in, uh, in terms of one that either expensive offense, a cheap, uh, an expensive defense, a cheap defense, anything that really stands out to you. I mean, definitely, definitely I'm fine playing the Jets this week. Uh, I'll, I'll say that. I, I think they're they're probably the cash game target. Um, again, just on a slate with you don't have a ton of, of value. Uh, you can pay up for the Patriots, but that that's going to limit you a lot in, in your builds. And again, Greg Williams against Josh Allen, that's a good, it's a good matchup. I mean, uh, I, I know people aren't, aren't super high on, on him as a defensive coordinator, but he brings pressure. Josh Allen's terrible under pressure, man. Like he, he just is, he, he turns the ball over. He's not a good passer in there. Maybe, maybe the jets lose this game, but they, they end up with like a, you know, a few turnovers and maybe it's a good spot for them to get a defensive touchdown too. Like it realistically, if they're going to win this game, that's what they might have to do. Um, you know, just looking at some of the ownerships on some of these, I mean, the Patriots look like they're kind of going to be one of the chalkier plays. I don't really like the chargers. I'll say that that'll be a, a pure fade for me. Um, I, I like Joe Burrow and, and I like the fact that the, the Bengals could just possibly get Joe Mixon running in that game. Um, I'm not going to go as far as the other side and say you should play the, the Bengals defense, but, um, you know, uh, I, I definitely fade the, uh, the chargers there. I don't really have any huge hot takes, maybe Seattle, uh, again, with Jamal Adams back there again. Yeah. It, it's, it's projected to be a high scoring game. Maybe Atlanta does score 24 points, but maybe Jamal Adams creates some havoc and they, they end up with like a couple defensive touchdowns. I could see that playing out. I'll probably throw Seattle defense in, in a lineup or two. I could see that. Otherwise, I'm going cheap this week. I'm going with those two min price defenses. Um, and I'll just let the let the, let it ride where it goes or whatever you want to say. Um, I because I don't really A, I want as much savings as possible this position this week, just with the way the slate's breaking out. And I don't really have any hot takes about uh the top D's this week. I will say this: the Patriots' defense is going to be the highest owned in all likelihood going up against the Dolphins. Yeah. If they start this season like they did last year, they score a million yeah. touchdowns. I will be so not happy because there is nothing more annoying in NFL DFS than when a defense breaks the slate, which the Patriots yeah. did like seven weeks in a row last year. They it scored was, a touchdown every week, and it was the dumbest thing ever. It was ridiculous. It got it got really annoying, didn't it? I, I actually uh, forgot about that. So maybe maybe I will have like a little bit of exposure to them after all, but. Um, I, I'll be underweight on the field most likely, but yeah, that is something to think about. They are going to be um, the heaviest owned uh, DST almost, almost for sure. So uh, a couple questions here. 
Logan Thomas is a value play for tight end. I don't hate that. 2,800. It's kind of the only guy under 3K I was looking at. Lockett or Metcalf, I'll play uh, Metcalf, but both um, both guys in really good spots there. I mean, you could you could even go with the double stack, I guess. Although, I think if you're going to go with the double stack with uh, Wilson, I'd probably rather mix in Greg Olson because he's so cheap. So, All right, so let's wrap with this. Okay. You have to make one lineup, one stack. Who would it be? Who would be the, the quarterback to wide receiver or, or quarterback, running back, or tight end? Okay, let's see. Who do, I, who do I got going now here? Let me bring up my page. I am probably going to go one stack. I am I'm gonna I know I talked about all liking all the cheap the cheap quarterbacks. I'm gonna go with Russell Wilson uh with with DJ uh with uh, DK Metcalf as my main stack and probably bring it back with with Julio and maybe even throw a little Greg Olson in there. That would be my one, my main play of the week and build around that. I'm going Mitch Trubisky to Anthony Miller for, nice. for all the money this week. I want to be like that guy uh, who is it Bears fan, 3 million or whatever that guy was. Who, remember, it was two years ago, a game against the Buccaneers, Trubisky threw six touchdown passes, yeah. and there was this guy clearly biased who, whose name was Bears fan and like a bunch of numbers, and he had a six-man Bears stack. And ran That's back happened a couple times because it happened with the Steelers <laughs> before too. Like Steelers fan, like seven nine eight four or something won once too when Ben threw six. So that's the way you got to go, folks. Just stack your favorite team; it'll all work out eventually. You know, it may take you a hundred weeks, but you'll get there. Yeah. Sometimes you you'd rather just be lucky than good, and you just, you just win with your best team. So that's going to wrap up the show, and it's going to be Jeff and I doing this every Saturday. Pretty excited about that. So with that, guys, stick around. There's going to be the NASCAR show coming up next.